culture, a way of life, a lifestyle, the values, traditions, and practices of a specific group of people. All around the world, there are different groups of people, and every group of people has a certain way of doing things. Every family has a special way of life. Who they are shapes what they do and what they don't do and what they're like. In Vancouver, Washington, we are a group of students known as citizens. We are a community of students learning to live for Jesus. Like every community, we also have a culture. We read the Bible, God's message to us about life, the world, and Jesus. When we come together, we can't help but get excited. And we sing, passionately declaring truth and thanking God for what He has done. We give, responding to God's generosity by being generous with our money. And we serve, using our God-given talents and abilities to build one another up. This is a place where we connect, welcoming others and forming godly friendships. When we fall down, we confess. And when we have conflict, we come together and we reconcile. Knowing that when Jesus saved us, he brought us together as a family, no matter how imperfect we may be. This is who we are. We are citizens. We are citizens. We are citizens. We are citizens. Man, if you guys were in college, you would know that we are is like the battle cry of your soul. You know what I mean? Like my friends went to Penn State and was like, we are. And then every, like, dude, 30,000 people screaming, Penn State. Have you guys ever seen that? Like in college football, any fans? Yeah, me neither. Me neither. Never mind. Anyway, hey, good evening, guys. What's up? My name is Sam. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm the youth pastor here, and uh, we're going to have fun tonight, all right? And so if, you're, is this, if this is your first time at Citizens, welcome. Warning. At this time, we should probably create a screen that's like, warning, and we'll do it in Spanish too, right? Cuidado. Everything that's about to proceed is very crazy. And uh, I guess it would be in English, though, not a Spanish accent, right? Have you guys ever been able to write in a Spanish accent? Oh, it's easy. You just put accent marks everywhere. It's easy. But uh, yeah, so if this is your first time at Citizens, welcome. Welcome. We're going to have fun. Um, today is actually a kind of a dream come true. Ever since I was a little kid, I've always dreamed of visiting the Coliseum. And so whoever set up the room today has made my dream come true. I'm like 360 view here. I'm preaching to people behind me, on the side of me. You guys, we'll, we'll stay engaged here, man. Hey, thank you, front row. Oh, man, this is going to be front row's back. Hey, there's like, the, if you don't know, if you don't know, I'm actually going to tell you so that I can invite you to be a part of this. There's actually this like front row, front row war right now. And um, I, I, don't, I don't care who sits in the front row. But I mean, if you guys wanted to sit in the front row every single week and like beat this row here and sit here. Shh, oh, it's, it's going to be awesome. All right, thank you. I, I need you to stop now. Thank you. Okay. So, um, hey, anyway, again, my name is Sam. I'm excited. Go ahead, open up your Bibles. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 1. Did you guys get these? That's awesome. Andy, Andy called me. I called him. It was kind of this, um, this, like, collaborative effort, if you will. And he's like, bro, what are you doing, like, next Wednesday? And I was like, bro, I'm, like, getting ready for camp. And he's like, bro, we should do, like, a rock concert. And I was like, righteous. And so we're doing a rock concert. And so, no, seriously, guys, it's kind of like, you know how the Super Bowl is doing, like, the pre-Super Bowl festivities this year? And if you guys watch opening night, it was kind of sick. And so we're, camp technically starts next Thursday, but for you guys, it starts Wednesday, right? And so we're going to have fun here on Wednesday night. Invite your friends. It's going to be great, right, for you. Um, we're going to have a lot of fun here. So open up your Bibles. We're, we're in our series right now called We Are. 
we are. And what we're doing is we're talking about, there's 100 plus students right here in this room. Look around, you see them? 100 plus students in this room. And we're trying to answer the question, why are we here? What is, not like on earth, right? I'm not trying to get like super philosophical, right? You're like, why are any of us here? But why are we in this room right now? We're coming as citizens. What citizens? Who are we? What is this group of students? Why is this a priority on Wednesday? And so we're going through a series right now where we're talking about the culture. Who you are determines what you do. And so we're learning what our culture is like. And so today, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. So go ahead, open up your Bibles. You can open up your sermon notes right here, and you can make little doodles on them, preferably take notes, and, and follow along. But go ahead and open up your Bibles as I, as I tell you about a very specific time period in my life. Summer 2011. That's the last summer before my senior year. Right, so I'm about to be a senior. Where are my seniors at? Do we have seniors in the house? We got a few seniors. You're about to be seniors at least. And then, um, and then the non-seniors, of course, raise their hand. The sen- real seniors never raise their hand in those moments. Take note, okay? Where are the seniors? They're like, shh. They give you the, like, the, man- like the bro nod. Right here. I raised my hand in my head. Everybody that raised their hand is not a senior. So anyway, it was the last summer of high school, heading into my senior year, and I had probably the the biggest, one of the biggest life changes at that moment, I got my license. Got my license. And I have my parents' car, and I thought having a license in and of itself would be pretty life-changing, but what I didn't realize is that the real life change came in the months after I got my license, right? And so I got my license, and with your license comes freedom, and so now I'm driving everywhere, and, and without even realizing it, I wasn't home very often anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I used to wake up in the morning and have cereal with my sisters, and my mom would be there, and, you know, we kind of get ushered off to the bus. But now it's like, I'd get up early, and I'm going to go to the bagel store with my friends. Oh! (laughs) Right? So I'm now, I don't even see, like, my mom anymore in the morning, my sisters. I'm like, peace! And so I leave them. So now it's like, I don't even have that time in the morning, you know? And then... And then after school, I'd go to practice. I'm not going to go home after practice. Practice. I'm not going home after practice. And so what I do is, I, you know, I'll, let's go hang out. Not bagels for dinner, right? We'll go to, like, the diner, right? And so now we'd, like, spend a lot of times after practice, like, dude, you want to go to the diner? Yeah, I want to go to the diner. So we go to the diner. And then, I, you know, still, you know, 7 o'clock. I'm still not coming home. I don't have to be home. And so, you know, we go hang out at the park, which really means for seniors, we, like, sat in the cars in the parking lot <laughs> listening to music. Dude, we're so cool, you know? And then I, I would come home, I'd eat dinner, I'd go to sleep, and then I'd do it again. And then the weekend, homework, homework, I did my homework, do your homework. And, um, you know, then the weekends would come, and it's like, you know, we used to have Saturday morning breakfast, but I have a car now. And so I'm like going out for breakfast, I'm driving to a friend's house, and I'm doing like sleeping over at people's houses after the game on Friday night, and it's just... I realized a very, very important lesson my senior year of high school. My parents, you know, they, they finally sat me down and they go, Sam, like, you're living in our house, you're eating our food, you're drinking our water. Some of you guys are like, yep, I had this conversation last week, yep. And they're seniors, right? And so, and, and my parents sat me down and they go, Sam, like, we don't, how do we say this? We don't see you, <laughs> right? We feel like you're renting a room from us, like, but you're our son. You're going off to college next year. And they try to get some sense into me, right? Have you guys, have 
Anyone have similar conversations with their families? And they're trying to have sense with me. And they're like, Sam, like, think about this. We're not going to be together forever. And as they talked to me, it hit me, guys. This point hit me. You can be a part of a family without actually partaking in a family. You guys can be a part of your families without actually ever partaking in the life of your family. And so think about it. When I got my license, did I change my last name? Did I change my address? These are rhetorical questions. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't change. I was still a me- I was still part of the family. I was still a member of the family, but what had changed was I was no longer partaking in the fellowship. Everybody do this right here. I was no longer partaking in the family, right? This is not a basketball play. Statue of Liberty, fellowship. It could be, though. Could be. Have you guys ever, have you guys ever experienced that? Have you guys ever realized that? That you're part of your family, but you're not really partaking in your family? Shh, shh don't do that. Have you guys ever experienced that as part of the family of God? We're part of the family of God, right? I'm, I'm in God's family, but like really, I don't, there's not a lot of talking. I mean, there's like not a lot of time being spent. Like we really don't connect. And so what happens is I'm a part of the family of God, right? I was baptized, God adopted me, I'm part of the family, but be- before I realize it, without the time and the, and the, and the fellowship and the, and the close connection, without spending the time together, I realized that my relationship with God was now in the background of my life, right? And it wasn't really a priority in my life anymore. You can be part of the family without actually partaking in the family. And so the entire letter of 1 John, right? This is the, the last disciple to die, the oldest, the, the, the oldest disciple. And he writes the letter of 1 John. And you know why he writes this? You know what his thesis is for my AP English honor students? Do you know what his purpose is? Do you know what his point is? His point is, guys, I want you to have fellowship with God and with his family. Think about this, guys. You, you've been brought into the family, right? If you've, been, if, if you've come and you've heard the gospel, you've heard us preach that your sins can be forgiven, that God is full of grace, and he wants to adopt you into his family. And so here he comes, he takes you, he grabs you, he takes you, he grabs you. Sometimes you're kicking and screaming, but he brings you into the family, and so now you're a part. And John says, now I want you to actually experience intimacy in this family. I, you're a son, I want you to actually experience the togetherness of a community who has God in their midst. Oh, guys, you're a part of the family, but I want you to know and to interact with God the Father and God the Son, and I I want you to just, I want you to have that tight community. That's what he's saying here. You're part of the family. I want you to partake in the family. That's his desire for you. Does that make sense? Guys, that's my desire for citizens. That's why we're here tonight, okay? We're talking about Jesus that if, you don't, if you've never been here before, you have to understand our message, that God came to save us. We needed saving, and he sent his son Jesus to save us, and he adopted us. He brought us into his family. But my desire, friends, is that as you guys are now part of the family, I want you to partake in the family. I want you, as John says, to have fellowship with God and with us. And so this is what he writes. That's his desire, and so listen to what he writes here. First John, first chapter, fifth verse. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, 
and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, if we say we have not sinned, <laughs> we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. That's God's word. Look back at the top here. Look at it. It says, he is, this is the message. This is 1 John, all right? You with me? He says, I want you to partake in the family of God, so check this out. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Guys, first thing here you have to realize that God is light. That's number one. You have to understand something, right? You have to understand something about the God who adopted you into his family. He's your father, and so here's what I want you to understand about God. He is light, and in him there is no darkness. Pause. You guys are sitting here and now looking at me, and you're going, dude, so the force is in the Bible. Oh, man, the light side, the dark side, right? Lightsabers, chapter 3, check it out, okay? Kidding, kidding. Don't go home and tell your mom and dad that George Lucas preached. No, all right? That was George Lucas, not God the Father, okay? So what, what is he talking about here? He says, in him, he is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So do you see this light and darkness? It's a metaphor, right? There's this metaphor, and I think if you think about it, it's actually pretty intuitive. Like, I think you guys know what it means, but let's spell it out a little bit here, right? He says, he starts with darkness. Darkness is a metaphor for this. It's really simple. It's sinful lifestyles. Darkness is a sinful lifestyle. Well, why call it darkness? Think about it, guys. Aren't there certain things that you and I do that we rather keep the lights off for, right? There's certain things that we do in our life that we're not proud of, and so we rather keep it a secret, keep it in the dark, if you will, and let's keep it hidden. And so darkness is this metaphor for sinful things, shameful things, things that we rather keep the lights off for. Let's keep it dark. Make sense? That's darkness. So if that's darkness, over here is light. Light is also a metaphor, and it simply means things that are clean, righteous, pure. Light is the realm of all things that are upright and innocent. There's no need to turn the lights off. There's no need to hide, guys. It's, it's just, it's pure. Do you guys know like, what it means to be pure? That just like, it's clean. It's, it's right. There's no need to hide. It's not in the darkness. It's in the light. And so what he says right here, he says, this is the message that Jesus taught us. Check this out. He goes, light and darkness. Here's the message that Jesus, ta Jesus taught us. God is light. That means that nothing to do with God, nothing about God, nothing that God does needs to be in the dark. Nothing associated with God is dirty. It, 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 God is light. It doesn't say that God is like the light. It doesn't say that things associated with God are light. He says God is light, meaning God is the standard itself for purity, 
for holiness, for righteousness, for cleanliness, for all those things. God is light. He himself is the standard. All right. Thanks a lot, John. God is light. Why do I need to know this? The older you guys get, this will become more clear. And I think some of you guys are probably here already. But the older you get, the more you realize that this world is full of darkness. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Especially older guys. Like the older you get, the more you realize the world is full of darkness. Right? Think about the people that like when we were younger or even now we look up to. Remember that moment you realized, dude, even they're not perfect, right? Even the people we look up to have darkness in their hearts. The leaders that we look up to can be corrupt. And we realize the world has darkness in it. And then you turn on the news. Anybody watch the news here? Anybody follow CNN on Twitter? Oh, yeah, okay, right? Like, you look at the news, and it's almost as if the news is completely committed and dedicated to just, like, transmitting the darkness of the world. Like, guys, real talk here. Have you, like, do you see the headlines in the news? Like, little girl kidnapped, raped, sold into slavery. Are you joking? What? Portland? What? Innocent people being gunned down in the streets. And then it gets really twisted when you see some of these things like posted on Facebook videos. And you're like, wait, is this a video? And then you're like, wait a minute, that guy's being buried alive. What? Is this for real right now? The world is full of darkness. The world is moving deeper and deeper into darkness. And then, guys, oh man, I don't mean to be over your heads, but guys, then you get to the most radical realization of all when it comes to darkness. You realize that there's darkness even in your own heart. You guys ever say something to someone, like maybe they're not even a friend, maybe it's just someone in school, and you say something to them, and then you walk away and you go, where did that come from? You guys ever say something like that? Or, or you have this thought, and you have this thought of like, you don't even realize it, and your mind is wandering off, and five minutes later, you're like, wait, where did that come from? What, what a weird, crazy, dark thought that is. The world is full of darkness, guys. The older you get, the more you realize that. And at the same time, isn't there, like, isn't there something inside of you that instinctively craves the light? Right? Like, is that true for you? Isn't, isn't there something where naturally you, just, you, you crave purity? You crave to be in the light. But as you get older and you realize all the darkness, you start to go to yourself, where can I find it? Where can I find this? Darkness is everywhere. I, I crave the light because we're made for it. But where can I find it if darkness is everywhere? John says, here's the message we heard from Jesus. God is light. And in him, there's no darkness at all. Actually, he is the light. He's the standard. And so we got to move on here, okay? John says, this is the God who adopted you. So we got we to come back here. Ready? Listen. We're singing about God. We're talking about the God of the Bible. Who is he? This says that this God who adopted you into his family, that, mean, that makes him your father, like doing the math there. You're like, the father of my a brother is, yes, your father, okay? He's your father. And so if your father, God, if he's light, doesn't that affect what the family's like? How many of you guys can see characteristics of your father in your family? Right? If your father is super stern, you know what I mean? And, and, and he's just kind of like a no joke kind of guy, there's a certain tone, right, that you have at the dinner table, right? If your father's the kind of guy who's doing like fart armpit noises, you know what I mean? Like, doesn't your family kind of take on the flavor of your dad? True? You guys experienced that? 
If you have a stern dad, I want you to switch days, switch, uh, switch homes for a day, right? With someone who has a goofy dad, and then try doing like fart armpit noises at the dinner table, right? Everybody has a stern dad right now. is like, oh, he's dead. Oh, he died. He's dead. I'll get the tombstone, right? Who your father is kind of affects the culture of your family. And so John tells us, number one, God is light, but that has implications on the family. Look at the next verse here. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Guys, God is light. So therefore, number two, life with God is lived in the light. Think of it like this. It's super simple. Those who are continually living, right? Those who are continually walking in darkness, who are making a practice of sinning, the Bible says they don't, they don't, they don't have that with God, right? Those who practice, those who walk in darkness, they're, they're, they're not in fellowship. They're not, having that, they're not partaking in the family. They're not experiencing that closeness with God. And if they say that they are, if somebody that you know is walking in darkness, but they say, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm tight with God, we're close, they're lying, John says. He says they're lying, and you know that they're lying. You know why you know? Because look at the first verse. God is light. God is light. If this person is walking in darkness continually, and they go, oh, yeah, yeah, me and God, we're tight. Like, me and God, oh, yeah, like, I fellowship with him. I'm, I'm, I'm partaking in his family. You know they're lying. Because God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. My wife and I, some, some time ago, we were, we were discipling this, this friend, right, this girl. And, um, oh, man, it was, it was a great story. I mean, she came in. She got baptized. Like, she heard the gospel. She came out of a relationship. She was just, like, she was at her lowest of lows. She heard the gospel preached on Easter Sunday here. And she said, I'm in. I'm in. Yes, I want to follow Jesus. She surrendered her life to Jesus. Guys, she got baptized. She was adopted, right? She came in to the family of God, and she loved God. Oh, man, she, we, we, were, we would meet up weekly. We're teaching her. We're talking about the Bible together. And my wife and I, were discipling her, right? She was walking in the light. She's experiencing fellowship with God. She's experiencing the fellowship and, and the togetherness of his community, of his people. And we loved her. We love her. But... There came a point where um, there came a point where she just wasn't like showing up as much anymore. You know what I'm talking about? Like she like she started to kind of like be a little bit less frequent, and and we wouldn't see her. And then it came a point where she stopped coming to, to our to our Bible studies and our and just our, our gatherings all together. And so, what do good friends do? You push, right? Good friends, but that's what, that's what friendship is. That's what discipleship is. You go, no, you don't get back here. You're not, you're not running away. What's going on, right? And so we would push, and we found out, guys, we pressed enough to where we got the answer, and the answer was this. She told us that God gave her permission to sleep with her boyfriend. God told me that it was okay for me to sleep with my boyfriend. And you know what? I, I just, I don't want to talk about it anymore. The things that we used to talk about, the conversations that we used to have, those are off limits now, right? She was turning the lights off. Those things used to be in the light. She was turning the lights off. And she goes, no, no, those are secret now. Those are private. I don't want to talk about this anymore. This is, I'm uncomfortable. 
And she said, and you know what, Sam? I'm closer to God now than I've ever been in my life. I'm experiencing closeness with God more than ever before. You know what my response to that is? Which God? Which God are you experiencing closeness with? Because the Bible says that God is light. And so if, we're, if you're walking in darkness, but you feel like you're close to God, you're lying. You're deceiving yourself because God is light. And in him, there's no darkness at all. Life with God, friends, is lived in the light. Those who are continually walking in darkness, we just, I, I told her, and she didn't, she didn't want to hear it, and, and she went her own way, and it was sad. But she thought that she was walking with God. She thought she was living life with God, but she wasn't living in the light. And so John said she was lying to herself. You guys know people that lie to themselves, right? Emphasis on themselves, because they're not lying to you. <laughs> they're not lying to us. They're lying to themselves. Life with God is lived in the light. Those who are becoming more and more like Jesus, those who are, who are walking in obedience to the Lord, those who have their life in the light, who are living in the light, those are the ones that are partaking in God's family. Those are the ones that are experiencing the nearness to God. Not near and like, am I saved? No, you can be part of the family, but remember the beginning, there's a difference between part of the family and partaking in the family. Those who are walking in the light, they, they're partaking and experiencing fellowship. They're experiencing close, uh, being, being close to his family because he is light. I want this, guys. I, man, I want this. I know you guys want this too. Like, don't you? Like, don't you want to experience, like, fellowship with God? Don't you want to be tight and be close to and know God? Nobody comes into this room and says, you know what? I'm kind of good with just getting the Jesus jersey on. Give me a little quick baptism dunk, right? And now I'll just kind of associate loosely with this body. Nobody says that. Nobody comes in here and says, you know what? Give me a little bit of Jesus just to get me to next Wednesday. And man, that was inspirational. Ooh, ooh give it a shivers, right? Nobody says that. We're here, guys, because we know that God is real. We know that he saved us. We know that Jesus has come to earth, and I want to know him. You guys want to know him. You want to be partaking in his family. We want that. But how? How can you live in the light when there's so much darkness, not only in the world, but even in your own heart? How can we experience this with God? If you want to live in the light, you're going to see in this last verse here, if you're going to live in the light, you need to turn on the lights. Look what he says in the last verse. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, everybody say confess. 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 Say it, confess. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Guys, final point here, number three, to live in the light, we must bring our sins to the light. You want to live in the light? You want to experience fellowship with God? To live in the light, you must bring your sins to the light. Sins? What are you talking about? What, I, what, what sins? Uh, what do you mean? Right? Guys, the reality is we still sin, right? The reality is we all sin. If you read a little bit further down, he says, I'm writing these things to you because I don't want you to sin. 
And then the very next verse, he goes, but when you sin, <laughs> wait, what? No, the reality is, guys, we all sin. And you guys need to hear me because there's some of you in this room and you're trapped by this idea. You're the only one. Some of you are in this room right now and you believe the lie. It's almost as if Satan is whispering in your ear. How could you? You're the only one that goes through that. You know that? You're the only one that has those temptations. How could you? Oh, and I thought you were a Christian. And there's some of you in here that are trapped by that idea, but look what the text says. The reality is we still sin. He says, if you say that you don't have sin, you're lying. That's what he says here. We all still sin. My name is Sam, and I still sin. Hi, Sam. <laughs> Guys, we need to be a community that is real. We need to be a community that is okay admitting the obvious. We still sin. We need to be a community that realizes, you know what? All of us sin. And therefore, I don't have to come up here and, oh, hey, how are you this Wednesday night? Oh, me and my perfect self here are wondering how you perceive me and my perfect self and my picture of perfect. We, guys, we don't need to come through these curtains and all of a sudden, it's like some of you guys come out of your car and I'll watch you and you're just like this in the car and the passenger's like, oh, mom, oh, oh. And then you open the door and you go, hi, oh my God, it's so good to be here. Holy, holy, holy. And it's just like, like what, why is it that we believe that we have to put up a certain front? I got, people have to think that I'm doing all right. People have to think that I'm good. But guys, if we can just admit it, the reality is we still sin. If we can just admit that and get that over with, we'll be a lot better off. Let this be a place where you can come in and you can admit, bro, I still sin. Do you still sin? Do you still sin? Bro, me too. Like, it, it, we'll, we'll, get, we'll grow together, but let's just be real. The other thing that comes with realizing the reality that we all sin this will not, listen to me here, this is stern. This will not be a place where we give each other the stink eye for their sins, as if we're above it. This will not be, a, this will, oh man, this will, if you, oof, man, this will not be tolerated, okay? This is not a place where when other people are finally coming into the freedom of, you know what? I'm not the only one. I'm, I'm gonna admit where I'm at. This is not the place where you look across the room and you give each other the stink eye, like, I don't even know what this thing I looks like, right? Because if I saw it in the mirror, I'd punch the mirror in the face, right? Like, no! This is not the place where we look at each other and just be like, she's doing what? He did what? No, no, we don't do that here. And if you do that, you come and you hand, you're going to deal with me and our leaders, all right? And we'll show you the door. Because this is a place where we're very open and okay with our sin. And so we don't act like... We don't act like we're better than other people because they sin and because they're confessing and things like that. We don't tolerate that here. The reality is that we all sin. And so guys, the question tonight is not do you sin? The question is what do you do when you sin? The question is not do you sin? I know you sin. The Bible says you sin. You know you sin. The question is what do you do when you sin? I know what I do. I think I know what you guys do too. I think the temptation when we sin is to keep the lights off, right? 
we do something that we're, that we're ashamed of. We, man, we messed, man, I know I shouldn't act like that. I know that's not how we act in the family of God. I know that's not who we are. And so we sin, and then our temptation is let's, let's keep the lights off. There's a difference, guys, listen to me. There's a difference between, between sinning and between, and between sinning and continually walking in the darkness. And the difference is this, confession. Confession, guys, listen, it's the difference between sinning and between continually walking in the darkness. When you guys sin, it's like, do you guys know what guilt and shame are, right? The Bash brothers, like guilt and shame, they come in and they make you say, oh man, you better hope nobody finds out about that. Woo, you, better, you, you probably, let's keep the lights off for this one. Let's make sure nobody sees. Let's keep this one in secret. Let's keep this in the dark. And so there's people, and you guys are among them, yourselves, your friends, those not here. What happens is when you, when you go, oh, no, I did what? And you keep the lights off, that's when you start noticing patterns, right? And so now this person, they're not coming to youth group as often because, man, I don't want to see that person because that person reminds me of God. And, now, and then they stop coming to church altogether. And then when your friends reach out and you're like, hey, where you been? It's like, hey, I don't want to talk about it, right? Famous words. All of these things are going to happen to you guys. All of these things, it's a progression. We see it all the time. You guys have experienced it. When you sin and then you keep the lights off and you go, oh, nobody has to see this. Nobody must, nobody can ever see this. No youth group, no church. Nah, I'm not hanging out with those friends. I'm going to avoid you in school. I'm going to take the long way around to the classroom because we're convinced that we have to keep it in the dark. By keeping the lights off, you're staying in the dark. But friends, here it is. If you want to live in the light, then you need to turn the lights on. If you want to live in the light, if you crave the purity of, uh, of God and the cleanness and the righteousness and just the, the, the purity, if you want to live there, if you want to live in the light, you need to turn the lights on. You need to turn the lights on. And what that means is confession. Do you guys know what confession is? Confession, it's super simple. Confession is the opposite of secrecy. Ready? It's like, I have a number behind my back. I'm not telling you. That's a secret. Confession, right? Here it is. It's bringing it out into the open. It's acknowledging, hey, I messed up. It's exposing your sin, admitting when you do wrong. It's turning on the lights. It's turning yourself in to others and to God. And so, guys, if you want to live in the light, you need to turn the lights off. When you walk into a room and it's pitch black, how do you get rid of the darkness? Turn on the light, right? You're like, that was kind of theological. I get it. So tonight, when you open up your bedroom door and you're going to bed, take a moment and pray. And be like, turn on the lights, right? And let that be a metaphor for you. Let that be tonight you're remembering. To overcome the dark, we must turn on the light. And so, friends, we have breakout groups here, right? Every week, we, mostly every week, we get together and we're hanging out in our breakout groups. Why do we do that? Just so we can have fun. I mean, yeah, I mean, we have fun. My, guy, my senior guys, man, I love these guys. We have a good time. But listen, the leaders around you, myself and these other leaders sitting with you, they're here, yes, to have fun, but also to help you work through your issues, to help you work through life, and that includes your sin. And so let me ask you guys, have you opened up to your, to your breakout group leaders? Do you have leaders in your life that, that you say, you know what, like, I need, to, I need to turn the lights on here. I need to expose some light on my sin. 
Guys, that's part of living in the light. I treat you guys like adults. I want you guys to be, I want you guys to be doing now what you want to be doing when you're 20 and when you're 30 and when you're 40 and when you're a parent and a spouse. I know guys that are in their 50s and they still live in the dark. I know, God, I know ladies who are in their 40s who have never turned the light on. And so now they still live in the dark. They still live in secrecy and shame and all those things. And I don't want you guys to be there. I want you, man, with all of my heart within me, I want to be there with you. I want you to be there. I want you to live in the light. And so I'm encouraging you tonight, guys. Part of what we do here at Citizens is we turn on the light and we confess. We confess. And let's end here. The band, the band can come up. We confess small. I want you to look at the last few verses here. What happens when we confess? I want you right now, look at you. I want you to, I want you to picture in your mind, if I were to tell God X, Y, Z, how would he respond? If I were to tell my breakout group leader X, Y, Z, how would they respond? There's a picture in our mind of what we think God would do, how he would respond. But I want us to read the last verse here, okay? The second last. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. So right off the bat, remember, if you confess your sins, he's faithful. You know what faithful means? It means that when you confess, he won't leave you. You guys have friends that you go, man, if I told them everything, they'd leave me. You guys know people like that. If I told them this, man, they wouldn't still be with me. Man, my boyfriend, if he, even he, if he knew everything about me, Oh, he'd leave me. Oh, the girl that I like, if she knew that I, boom, 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 oh, she'd think I'm disgusting. And yet God, the one who knows us the most, is most faithful to us. He knows us the best, and yet he loves us the most. He's faithful. If we confess our sins, it says that he's just. You guys have, you guys have people in your life that you know if they say they'll do it, they'll do it, Right? You're fortunate if you have people like that. They keep their word. That's God. He will do what he said he would do. And what will he do? He will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And this is huge, guys. And this is why living in the light begins with turning the lights on. Because when you confess, God doesn't simply go, there, there, I forgave you. Shoe on now. Go play, little boy. No, no, what he does is he goes, thanks for telling me. He knew it anyway. Thanks for telling me. And he says, yes, I forgive you. I'll throw your sins off of you. But then he also says, come here. Come here. He says, come here. And he cleanses you, right? I'm sorry, dude. I wish I had a bucket of water. I would cleanse you right now. You know that? But it says that he forgives us and he cleanses us. So he goes, hey, I'm, I'm glad you said you were struggling with this. Let me help you work on this. All right. Take a seat, right? And I would give it back, but it would ruin the analogy, so I can't, Okay. He forgives us, but he also cleanses us. As we bring it to God, he goes, ah, now you've turned yourself in. Now let's work. To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Friends, to overcome the dark, you have to turn on the light. You have to turn on the light. And I don't need to sit up here and give you a million applications. You know the Holy Spirit is more than able to talk to you right now where you're at. You know what areas of your life are in the dark right now, guys. What areas of your life are in the dark right now? To overcome the darkness, we must turn on the light. Let me pray for you guys, and then we're going to respond with, with a couple songs and then our breakout groups. 
Father, thank you so much, Lord, for your word. Thank you, God, that, that you are light. You tell us in your word, you are light. And you don't tell us this just so that we can fill up our theology books. You tell us this because it directly informs who we, your family, should be like. And so, God, I know I speak for every single young man and young woman here that we want to experience fellowship with you, God. We want to be close to you. We want to partake in the family, not just be a part of it. So, Lord, help us to live in the light. Lord, we all sin, God. We all sin. But if we confess it to you, if we turn the lights on, you'll cleanse us, Lord, and you'll bring us into the light. So I pray right now for my young friends here, Lord, my little brothers and sisters, I feel, Lord, that you would help them, Lord, give them courage, and uh, 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 convince them that when they do confess to you and to leaders and others, that, God, we're not going anywhere, Lord. Help us to be faithful like you're faithful. We love you, Lord, and we want to be your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and respond.